Hey everyone, this is the Nips and Sips podcast uh, featuring uh, me, I'm Dr. Jeremy Boyd, and my usual partner in crime over there is Dr. Brandon Cruz. Today we've got special guest uh, Jake York, who's a student physical therapist who uh, wrote some inspiring stuff and caught Dr. Cruz's eyes today, or previously. But uh, before I get too much into that, uh, how's everyone going, guys? Everything's going great, man. Uh, Jake, want to uh, one welcome to welcome you to the show, and two thank you for hopping on. I know um, things are definitely hectic and busy as a student, um, so you found the time to to join us for the next forty minutes. Uh, want to thank you. Uh, we'll we'll get into um, I guess your post and kind of what caught my eye and really today's topic in a little bit. But um, Jake, it's all yours. Kind of just. You know, introduce yourself, uh, what school you're, you're in, and, and we'll go from there. So, yeah, I, uh, I'm a student at Indiana University. I'm a second year. Um, got into PT, uh, I think kind of the same as everybody else. Just really love the body and movement and things like that. Um, initially, I actually had a bad experience with physical therapy, but uh, over time kind of grew around the sharp edges and, and came to love it. Um, I am, as we acknowledge, breaking the rule of the show, currently not drinking anything, but uh, I First do have a next to me, I think that might cover it. I'm just All trying right. to be responsible today. Um, <laughs> yes, but, so Jake is in Indiana. It's a lovely 80 degree day uh, in late October. What is, what's today, the 22nd or something? Mm -hmm. So he's going to grab jet skis and he's trying to not drink and drive. Uh, which I commend him because I would definitely drink before I want a jet ski. Yeah, um, but Jake, I guess let's let's start off with the question of since you don't have a drink, what is your favorite drink? And if you were drinking today, what would it be? Unfortunately, those are two different things. But my my favorite drink, I think I usually go for um, like a rum and coke. Okay, usually more of a dark rum than a light rum. Very but nice. if I were drinking right now, I do have some Jose Cuervo. Um, pre-mixed margarita in the mini fridge that I would be able to bust out. So, very nice, good stuff. Uh, Are you uh, a captain, C Captain Morgan? Yep. Yep. Or, very nice. So the, the Sailor Jerry, That's <laughs> way to go. That's how you really get it done. But uh, uh, yeah, well, what, uh, what do you got? Me uh, yeah. today, I got a Substance Ale by Bissell Brothers, one of my clients and uh, weightlifting coach. Um, Mike Solera, he he hooked me up. He went to, uh, I believe it's uh, in Vermont, uh, in Maine, sorry, sorry, in Maine. And he said, uh, really good, awesome brewery, very well known. Uh, so I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, so thanks, Mike, for giving me this. And I got, in the good Oktoberfest fashion, a nice boot. I will not be ripping the boot in the middle of the show. I, gotta, I think turn it, man. I know. It does exist. That bubble does, does kind of mess up your day, so. This is gonna probably take me a, a couple minutes just to pour it out. I'll I'll shout out my uh, my ranking and uh, once we get going. But all right, so, since we're on timer, I'll go in. I have uh, in my pursuit PT etched in glass here, uh, blade and bow. Uh, switched it up for this week. Um, perfect timing, Jay. What uh what are you giving? What's the taste test here? Oh, that's good. <laughs> Got some good amount of hop into it. Uh, it definitely, uh, this is, uh, I guess, IPA. Uh, now that I'm tasting it, uh, I'm gonna give it a, I'm gonna give it a, an, a eight flat. 
I usually don't go for a flat number, but this is good. I'm a fan. All right, all right. Very nice. All right, so um, let's kind of jump into the show a little bit here. Um, Jake, actually, if you don't mind, kind of just taking us a little bit through that journey you had where you said you had a negative experience with, with physical therapy, and then you kind of turned the corner, um, and then we'll transition to basically what has led you down the route that you're, you're currently in, um, and which led you to basically um, kind of stand up and voice your opinion out on uh, social media, knowing you'll probably get some, some backlash and stuff, but we'll get to that in a second. So tell us a little bit about your story and your journey, man. Yeah, so uh, my first exposure to PT was through a, a family friend kind of that was very traditional, I think, and didn't learn a lot, didn't stay on top of their education, right? And they, they've been using the same practices for years and years and years, right? Cookie cutter approach, outpatient clinic, and it just bored me to tears. And I was just over it. And I was like, there's no way I can do this day in, day out. And it wasn't until I had a professor during undergrad he suggested I go see like a, an acute, like an inpatient kind of style and mm-hmm. seeing, I, I think it might have something to do more with the younger therapists that were working there who were maybe fresher out of school and had some more knowledge and some more education and just like their mastery and understanding of the body was like, okay, this is very different. And then later on, once I got back, you know, I, I went and saw other, other outpatient clinics and I understood that that was kind of a, uh, an outlier to the whole thing and being able to then explore, Hey, these people actually know a lot and what they're doing and mm. um, everything. I, I loved in undergrad. I did exercise science and to be able to expand upon that. And, and, you know, I, I think I favor more of the biomechanics and more of the understanding of the body as an anatomy and physiology standpoint. I think that's, that's the sort of thing that I was interested in mastering. Um, so yeah, once I started PT school, it was kind of from there, a, uh, like I'm here, you know, and yeah. uh, I think I, I didn't just straight go through school. I, I took a couple of breaks here and there and um, a couple early career paths that, that weren't necessarily my going. And I, I think that helped me understand that there is a time that you start learning on your own. Now, once I got out of undergrad, I worked as a personal trainer and realized that I didn't learn everything I needed in school and had to learn a lot of that on my own early on first couple months. And I, I think that that helped me understand that going into PT school that, that there's a lot that I'm not going to learn here, you know, and that there's a lot that is taught and that's evidence supported and evidence based and absolutely correct and wonderful. But there's a lot that's still being developed and experimental and maybe not set in stone that you don't necessarily get taught. And um, I think you guys from an appreciation of academia might relate to that as well. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think that that led me to have to start taking all that into my own hands. and. I don't think that necessarily meant advocacy at that time. And I, I don't know if it still does mean that, you know, I think advocacy is just maybe a symptom of that. And, and I think there's so little advocacy now that that's just such a, a large thing that's not normal. And so it is out of the ordinary and it is drawn attention and, and something that you, you spoke out against when I, when you saw the post. <laughs> Yeah, uh, real quick, man. How old are you? Because you speak way be- no, and I mean this in a good way. Because obviously, you're probably like what, like 24, something like that. 26. Like, 26. Like you speak way beyond your years. Um, mm-hmm. For you to understand that, and especially, um, you know, you went the personal training route as I did, as I'm sure a handful of therapists do, um, and hopefully, you well, you have realized it. And most therapists don't like throughout the whole career, forget, 
you realized in, in your first, um, you know, year of PT school, or even before that, um, you know, people go into PT school, expect, you know, I'm going to learn everything I need to, and then come out day one, I have a doctorate now, and I know everything about everything. And, and we don't. And even, you know, the, the people doing the research, um, you know, the Josh Clelands and Charles and the Flynn's and, and things like that admit they don't and admit the uncertainty. So for you to see that and understand that, I think is awesome and commendable. Um, I think that's what more of our profession needs. Um, I'm very happy that, you know, you, you're in school and able to do this and hopefully you're, you're going to be kind of being a leader for, for the profession for many years to come. And, and like you said, advocacy kind of became, I guess, a, uh, what's the, what's the word? It was a treatment maybe of the symptoms you were, you were seeing and you're like, well, there's, there's gotta be more, there's gotta be something I can do and correct me if I'm wrong, but I guess that's why you kind of led you down the route you're in. Uh, Jay, real quick, anything, anything you want to chime in there on or? No, uh, let, let, uh, let Jake answer that. And then I'll, I'll piggyback off of that. Cause I want to overwhelm with too many questions there. I've been so, notorious for so, that. Yeah, the, um, I guess it has led you to advocacy, which you touched upon. And I know we, when we had spoke, um, when I had reached out to you initially, you said you're in a SIG group, I guess it was that, was that your first, I guess, step through the doorway uh, on advocacy or, or what was your. What happened with that? Yeah, I it it's kind of funny. It goes to the uh, knowing people kind of thing. Our um, when I was the first year, our third year class president, I actually had a chemistry class with her five years prior. Before, or actually, it would have been, yeah, five or six years prior. So before either of us were in PT school, I was in a chemistry class with her. So I was like, hey, what's up? You know, it's it's cool yeah. to see you, blah blah blah. And she was her cl her class president, uh -huh. and she was kind of like, hey. We just started this SIG. I think the student SIG by then was two years old. Mm. She's like, it's it's totally in its infancy stage. It needs, you know, some direction. And she's like, I know you. I know you might, you know, be interested in something like that. And so she kind of pitched me a little bit for it. And I was like, mm. okay, because I, I, through training, I had a lot of leadership experience. I uh, had had a lot of building a program, building and developing things um, mm. in the gym I worked at. So for me to have this malleable entity to sort of build was pretty exciting and i was like that could be that could be fun um however the learning curve was huge i there was like you know it's still a baby you know there is no prior this is how we did things this is what was done you know it's kind of like hey do what you want with this and so mm -hmm. that led me to have to learn a lot about dapta how it's structured um no one really taught me that you know and mm -hmm things that can help you in clinicals. And I, I reached out to other states and said, how are you guys operating this? How are you, how are you handling lack of student engagement? Or how did, how did your ancestors, so to speak, handle that once when your SIG was new? Yeah. Um, and honestly, for me, it was less about advocacy than more about trying to help students, you know? And it was sort of a indirect mentorship that, hey, if I can get this set up, because as a first year being involved, knowing, hey, next year I'll probably be involved as well if I can kind of get the ball rolling on this and make it more self-sustainable, then this can help a lot of people in the future. So for me, it was, Hey, we're not getting a lot taught a lot on the APTA and what it means, what it offers, the value of it versus the price of it. Right. It's not really the SIG would then help fill in the gaps of that, fill in the gaps of, Hey, this is current literature being published that you're probably not being taught or being a network opportunity. Hey, these are leaders in the industry. These are professionals that you could get in contact with. These are the, movers and shakers of different um, chapters or, or SIGs nationally, right? And so for me, that SIG became my attempt <laughs> to connect students, really.
and then advocacy just popped out of it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how it tends to be. You get kind of voluntold. You, you I don't know if you volunteered for it, and then uh, you learn a bunch of different rabbit holes. You're, you're going down one thing, and you're like, I don't know the answer to this. You try and find the answer, and then you end up getting pulled a bunch of different yeah. ways. I think that's awesome. Um, and I think that's something, you know, from that story, the importance of even a brief moment of mentorship or a brief fallen told or someone just kind of steering you down the path um, and then letting you kind of run with it. Um, I, I know in my experience, if I didn't get into my first clinical and meet with someone who I didn't know what OCS or COMT was, I just was around someone who was just involved in continue lifelong learning. And that led me down many, many rabbit holes to the point where I'm still learning today. So it's just good for any listeners out there to, you know, treat everyone that you meet uh, and try to open up as many doors to you. To them. But also um, I want to say, you know, kudos to you for, you know, taking it the next step with the APTA and all that sort of stuff as my program was, we all had to sign up for the APTA. It was to get, I think, was it the gold? Gold, so, so I don't know, some sort of certificate that the programs would get if all the students were enrolled into it. And we all had to do, so I think it was a requirement, but we were never led to understand what else it can do for you besides the program getting a little plaque on the wall. Um, you know, if we asked a little bit more and understood what the APTA was trying to do for us as a profession, uh, responsibilities and, you know, advocacy and those sort of things. I think probably a lot of us would probably still be members. I doubt a lot of my classmates are at this point, but, um, you know, kudos to you there, Jake. Yeah. I mean, our school made us do it and it was the vision 2020 back. This is the 2010 PT school vision 2020, where we were supposed to be the go-to medical professionals of all things musculoskeletal. And boy, did our profession take a big swing and a a miss and whiff on that one. Um, But I guess, yeah, I guess what, what are you doing in the APTA? And I think that then segues into your lovely post that we can, I want to, sh- I want to show the world because more people, more people need to hear it, man. Um, and I'm glad like you of all people, like a student, a second year student is over here, you know, put his neck on the line and, and basically trying to create change. And we need that um, more in our profession. And, you know, I'll probably speak with me and Jeremy. I mean, there are things we can do better too. Um, you know, we have a podcast and we mentor kids or students at every level possible, but are there things that we can do better? I'm a thousand percent sure we can. Um, so to see you out there doing that, I was like, I got to reach out to this guy. So um, yeah. What, what brought you to the APTA? And I'm sure it was trying to find some answers from the SIG and then we'll go from there. Um, what brought me to the APTA? I, it's interesting because so when I when I trained, we had a professional organization, right? And they we bought into that to be able to get continuing education. And I took so much continuing education that it's like you work at a gym, you clean, right? So I just have videos going on when I clean. So me going from there to here, I'm like, oh, here's our professional organization. I'm involved. Let's see what they have to offer, right? Yeah. And one, which I think we'll get to it's confusing. There's a lot, a lot going on and it's not very linear. Um, but right away, I mean, I think 
before I even started school, I had to at least think about the APTA, right? That's one of our interview questions. And so I joined on as a member before, before then, and I was looking through websites, the education credits, the, the his and that, the corners, the everything, right? Just trying to figure out the organization because that was something that was very important to my past profession. Yeah. Um, and I think the fact that I just, I'd get emails, I'd get outreaches, I'd get emails and emails and emails and emails. And so trying to navigate through some of that was like, okay, this is really confusing. I don't understand it what's going on right and I, I think that led to me talking to um our third year who who was the president that i was like hey you're you're in the nick of this you're in deep what's going on right and then that's kind of where that where that came out of um and i will say um i i do a little bit for the state chapter as well i do some of the social media posts um which that for me was i went to a student conclave that we have um in our state and i heard one of the guys on the state board give just he was just spitting facts like percentages and numbers and data and just just reckon it about how amazing pts are at improving patients and how good they are and and these things and i was like this guy like he could convince what sell a, a ketchup popsicle to a right <laughs> yeah yeah like he just i was like this guy's the bomb so I, I emailed him and i was like hey like i loved your presentation you know is there any way that i can get involved with what you do um, and just be able to learn from you, you know, and, and so he, he had me get on with the social media and just kind of be aware of what the state was doing and, and the ins and outs of it. So, and so I've been able to get into, um, some like, um, town hall meetings. I think, um, I was supposed to go to the advocacy federal advocacy forum, um, mm-hmm. but COVID shut that down. So we, we had a sort of virtual here and there. So really, honestly, it's been like what I try and tell other students is if you want something go go ask, go email, go try, you know, and you never know if they're going to email back and say, Hey, yeah, I'm, you know, we're looking for someone to help or I can get you in contact with somebody, you know, the, the classic, you miss all the shots you don't take. Right. And just following up, following along and just holding hands of important people. Like I've been drugged through some real cool stuff. And I honestly, I think that's all there is to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I wish, I think it really just comes down to drive and, and, and just, I think more PTs and more PT students just need to be pointed in the right direction. And we have a question for you later on, um, which might answer this. And it's like, we're just bombarded with school, but let, let's go to this post real quick because we're, we can talk all day about this stuff. Um, like I said, I definitely, definitely commend you. We'll, we'll just kind of do a, a quick, quick thing. So can you tell us what, uh, what spurned you to write this? Like, what were you involved in at the moment? Um, where you wrote this, I, I guess it was, obviously it was at the APTA level and there was just a shit um, performance of uh, attendance from PT students and really it extends to PTs as well. So shed some light on, on what made you write this. Yeah, so it's, it's a, I guess my reaction to the PT PACS flash action strategy, which honestly, and this was my, my a little bit of inhibition about the show was, I don't know a lot about a lot of this stuff. You know, I, I like to say I'm just a normal person, but yeah. Um, I was just filtering through emails and I, I usually open the APTA ones and see if it's relevant to me and then decide, you know, yeah. and it was about the flash action strategy. And I was like, oh, you know, fundraising um, for the big hitters in the APTA right now. And I was like, that, that's, I should look at that. And it was just the verbiage that really just like really twisted my gut. Cause they said, um, and I think you have it pulled up, but I, I think I have it too, that 
Five percent, only three hundred students, which was the strongest showing in history, which is laughable. Yeah, like, mm -hmm. and I, I quoted a lot of it. Like, uh, the effort was an unqualified success. The strategy had raised more than thirty-five hundred dollars. Like, <laughs> thirty-five hundred dollars to me is like what yep. a local business could raise for the Salvation Army through like uh, a car wash. You know, like like Over a, a really weekend. <laughs> yeah. Uh. And uh, more than 220 students um, for more than 75 contributing programs. And I, I dug around in like some archive data that 75 out of 600 programs and what was it? 220 students out of the 46,000 PTPTA students. So I, I put that there's a half a percent of student engagement and that is their unqualified success. Yeah. And I, and I think I will probably get more into this, but I, you know, people are busy. COVID's financial struggles and all that. And I get it, but like an unqualified success. I was just like, that's bewildering. Yeah, I mean, so 0.5% is awful. I think the, the state, and, and this is all the 50 states, uh, you know, combined the average um, enrollment in a, a professional association about 15 to 20, is that correct, Jeremy? Something like that, I think. 25%. I think that's what um, at least New Jersey quoted the last, the last town meeting I was at. Like, that's awful. Um, it really is. And then you have people, like right now we have the Medicare cut going on, 9%. Fucking huge, huge cut going on. And people have the gall to just bitch about it. Um, PTs are worth more, X, Y, and Z, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, well, you're complaining about it, but you're doing nothing leading up to this point to help create change. Um, and some of these comments in here are, are ridiculous. Like, oh, I'd rather pay my student loans or I'd rather do this, I'd rather do that. I get it. Like I came out with $250,000 of combined loans of undergrad grad. Jeremy, what were you at? Uh, 200, give or take. 200, right? Like, and we've still gone through residencies and fellowships and, and everything. Like, granted, not everybody needs to be us, but you brought it up. Like, and I want you to talk about this. It's a cup of coffee. It's not going out drinking, binge drinking at that. Binge drinking Saturday, Friday and Saturday night, and then going to brunch Sunday morning where you probably dropped three, $400. Don't tell me you don't have the fucking money to throw in five or $10 and I'll stop right there. I want you to talk about some of the answers you had. Uh, Cause I mean, you had quite the responses here from people, both good and bad. Um, and it's just like, why are you going against it? Like you're trying to advocate and people need to just justify stuff. Or keep yeah. silent. <laughs> Let alone attack you for trying to stand up for the profession for wanting more. Cause it does make a difference. And I'll talk about, you know, two instances in New Jersey where, where we didn't have enough advocacy and we lost something and where we barely had enough and we won something. But go ahead there, Jake. Well, so I think the biggest thing that I, I hear is the financial side of it, right? And I, I, I put that at the very bottom, which we'll see who hits see more, right? That, you know, even if you can't, let's say like you are in the gutter, you know, you can still write a letter. And you can, but we have to beg students to even do that, right? You can volunteer for whatever, but you're still too busy doing whatever you want to do to volunteer. So it's hard for me to really accept these like responses that, oh, I'd rather pay my rent than 
my APTA student member fee and even professionals, right? Like if you can't afford to live your life without $400, like if that, that's your cutoff, you're going to die tomorrow if you don't have this $400. Like that is a scary place to live. And I think you need to reevaluate your budget, reevaluate what's going on, right? And yeah. you know, student loan hits everybody differently. And I'll tell you, the, the people in my class that I know take, are taking out loans and they're, they're, they're in the red, they're still doing what they want to do. They're still driving to campus. They're not riding a bike. They're still getting coffees. They're still going out. They're getting, you know, I'll see their Instagram feeds. You know, they're getting lunch. They're getting dinner. They're getting drinks. And it's, it is, it's really narrow. It's very tunnel vision about this is, this is all just supposed to happen without my intervention. No, like you're the future of the profession. Like get it in your head that you're the person who's going to handle this. Right. And there's a, I don't know about a movement, but there's a calling for younger professionals to get into the leadership positions because they're the more aggressive ones, right? I'm guessing these 220 who actually participated, they're the ones who are going to actually be the ones that speak up and speak out. And it, it's terrifying for the future of the profession that we have people that would make excuses and, you know, bitch and moan rather than actually go and do something. Like, how hard is it to get $20? Like, go call your grandma and say, hey, I'll clean your gutters and mow your yard. Can I have $20? Like, it's yeah. not that hard to get $20. <laughs> get a job, you know? I, I don't think I've not had a job since I was a sophomore in high school. Like, I have worked hard. I have planned. I have budgeted. I will finish PT school with less than $30,000 in debt because I have been My man. Um, I, I mean, more, I think more PTs need, need to have that mindset um, uh, of working and, and kind of grinding. And, you know, everyone wants to bitch and moan and complain or just say, oh, cash pays the way out, which at this point it may be. But as, you know, a profession, you know, what are we doing as a whole? And I, I agree with you, man. Um, the old blood needs to get out. I mean, they, they have no, they, they've lost touch. I, I, not everybody, but a majority of them have, um, older therapists didn't, didn't have, they, they probably started PT school when it was a, a master's or a, a bachelor's. They didn't have the debt. They're not doctors. They're, they're, they grew up in just a different, didn't have the internet. Like when shit popped off, like when they started coming out, like things are changing. They have direct access. And they have direct access. They don't access. care about it. Yeah. Like, they're they okay don't with the scripts. understand what we're dealing with today. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of those people, yeah, they're in, you know, these higher position paying jobs where they're just kind of rotting out the end of the career, but they don't see that they're limiting our growth. Right. And there's, uh, there's not a drive from the younger people to take those positions that's, that's because the they see those positions as archaic and not being useful. But if they were in those positions and wanted to make change, there's change to be made. That's why yeah. I always think in the interview process of PT schools or anything like that is there should be more value in those grinders that are went through undergrad. They're in like multiple committees, they did clubs and those sort of things. Because anyone can get a good GPA when they just do one thing. And then when shit hits the fan, that one thing is gone. You want the people that are working two or three jobs and, and putting in the grinding because they'll continue that mentality. And I think that's, it's something that needs to be changed. Um, obviously, you know, good grades are reflective of, you know, potentially, you know, getting through PT school, but um, we really need to kind of change up our focus and we want 
we want movers and shakers. We don't want just people who pass classes because they're going to be the ones that are just going to work from eight to four and get a paycheck. Yeah, definitely those, those people who, who failed. I want the person who applied to PT school twice and didn't get in, and they're still knocking at the door to get in. Like, they're, they're, they're consistent. They're going to persevere. I want the person who, yeah, maybe they had a 3-1 GPA, but they played a sport or they worked two jobs or whatever because now they juggle multiple things at a time. Like you said, you've had a job since you were, were a sophomore in high school. I could probably say the same thing. Jeremy, you're probably in, this, in a similar scenario. Like that, that's what we need. Um, with that, Jeremy wrote a great question here for you. And I, I think, it, you know, this, you know, everything feeds on itself here. And uh, Jerry, you want to, you want to, yeah. so yeah, kind of, you know, off this whole topic that we're recently going on. Um, but there's always a conversation of PT burnout and we always hear that, you know, uh, oops, we're running out of time here, but uh, it's when new grads get into the real world, they start practicing and the productivity demands kind of hit them, slapping them fairy in the face. And yeah, I agree. That's, that's true. But I believe this PT burnout also starts in PT, uh, in PT school. Uh, I, I'll, I didn't add this to the question or anything like that, but uh, you know, by time, uh, the three years are up very, you know, our grads are thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm beat down. I did practicals. I had studied, uh, we're, you know, eight to five and those sort of things. I don't want to learn anymore. I'm done. I just want to go out there and practice. And I get it. You know, I want to get out there into the real world. The clinicals were my favorite part. Um, but you know, that's, I think when we start to see it, um, I, I'll t- a little side story is that I t- when I was dating my wife or I went on a date, two dates in the same day, which she knows about from Tinder, but uh, it was a PT student and I just kind of came out of PT school. She was like a second or third year and I was in residency in, in Philly. So that's how I met my wife. But she, uh, I remember I came up with the question of like, oh, you plan on doing residencies or you know anything like that? She's like, oh, no way, definitely not. Uh, I'm done once I get my graduate my PT school. Um, so that right there, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done with this. I don't know if I can go home to a PT and just, you know, start talking about my day, keep trying to push the profession and they're just like kind of sitting there, but going back, I digress. Hopefully the wife misses this episode, but anywho, um, do you agree with that? Um, do you feel like PT students are getting burned out and, uh, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I've, I'm sure it's different for each curriculum, but I know for our curriculum, we were warned that where we are right now is the highest peak of burnout for the students. The middle of your second year, for us at least, is, is, your, is your just, you've been doing basic science for a year and a half, and then you start learning your clinical application stuff. You get teased in here and there, but we're about to start actual practice patterns. So then it's like, okay, now I can actually help people, right? I can apply what I've been learning for the last year and a half and grow my skills. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would definitely say it's a very real thing because just like the, the problem with the American education system is you're always studying for a test, right? It's, it's hard to get excited for something and just geek out and nerd out over something when you've got another test in another class and another test in another class. And, and it's like, I want to keep digging into this, you know, I want to learn more about this and learn more about this, but you have to get your license, right? And you have to pass your boards. And so there, I think there's less 
personal grace that everyone extends themselves, especially a new grad. Some people, they're really good at school. They go to the clinics, they have a panic attack because they, this isn't school. You know, I, I'm, there's a real person. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay if you make mistakes and that's okay that you're still brand new, you know, that you have your, you're a doctor, you're a licensed, you know, you're this professional and you have to be perfect. No, like give yourself like a little bit of benefit of the doubt. Um, get, find a mentor or, or something if you're that um, concerned about it. Right. And learn and grow and find things to get excited about. I think that's where that burnout comes from is that now I have a job and now I can what pay my student loans. And that's all that you're focusing on because that's mm -hmm. all that you're cared about in the last 10 years that, you know, is that, well, now I've read all these blogs about how everyone's miserable. So I'm going to be miserable. It's like, no, like put all that aside, focus on what makes you excited. What, you know, you're nine to five, you're eight to seven, <laughs> whatever it is, right? What part of your day just fuels you and focus on that, you know, and it might be three or four years that you actually have to, you know, put your nose to the grind and, and pay off some loans. So you're in a more comfortable position or for that door to open up that you're in a better opportunity to find a career that you're actually passionate about. But I think so many people start PT school with tunnel vision and end PT school with tunnel vision. And they're so focused on mistakes, grades, you know, the flaws that they've made that they don't get excited about anything. And I think a lot of the APTA gets in the way of that is that there's so much mud and so much like nothing's clear. I don't know how to get in there and get myself help. I don't know how to find a mentor that's a pelvic floor PT in my area that, Hey, I could go talk to and find out how they got to where they are. Right. And I think for me, that's a big part of the SIG and I'm still working on how a lot of that works and looks, but right. Being able to get out of school for, you know, two hours a day, uh, three, four hours a week and, and put your efforts towards something you're excited. And I think that'll prevent burnout. You know, when I finish PT school, I will be doing this because yeah. of the steps I made in PT school to make that happen. Yeah, you, you, you found yourself a, 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 a mission or a goal or a purpose other than just treating. Yeah, right. anyone treat. Um, with that, and you, you, you might have already touched upon it as we're wrapping up here. What can PT students do, um, in your opinion, to better themselves or really better the profession as well. Um, so they don't have that burnout. Um, I think what I would, what I would be working for or towards right now is finding a mentor or finding people who do the thing that you want to do. Right. So maybe you're interested in, um, manipulations, you're interested in orthopedics, right? Reach out to, to you guys, like send you, send them an email saying, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast. I'm really interested in this kind of thing. Are there authors that you guys recommend? Is there research that you recommend? And start building your expertise now because you're going to find out that this expertise isn't necessarily what you're learning in school. You know, there's, there's treatments and there's modalities and there's interventions that you're learning in school that might be ancient compared to what's actually being practiced. Um, I would say pay attention to where you're going to work. So if you're going to work in a, in a different city, right, know what's going on over there. Obviously, if you're going to work for outpatient clinics, know the legalities, know what's going on, know what's being spoken about regarding your area that you want to work in. So that might mean joining um, your state board or joining if your state has a SIG for neuro or for pediatrics, jumping over there, that'd be a great place to find a mentor, join that Facebook group, stay in the know about what's going on, you know, and I think having your future in mind is going to give you a lot more peace that way that's secure. Now I can focus on school and still kind of have this back and forth relationship with someone who's a little more driven and going on. Well said. Jeremy? 
No, I just love your, your, your focus on mentorship and, you know, you know, going after the things that you want to get. Uh, I came right out of school. I did not have a good job. Um, and I think a lot of the PT burnout is you just want to get a job and pay your loans and you take whatever you can get. And then fast forward six years later, you're still at the same job and you hate it from day one. Me, I was looking for a new job by the end of the week. I know they say you shouldn't do that sort of stuff. You should just you know, have some consistency. But you know, if you're not in a position where you're not passionate about what you're doing, it's not in a good environment. You're not geeking out at lunch or anything like that with the clinicians that you're around. They don't have to be superstar ones, but they should at least be passionate and motivated. Um, then you need to take it upon yourself and get out of there. Uh, I think there's a, I got asked on LinkedIn or something like that. There is a PT, PhD doing research just on PTs that have left the profession. Um, that's his dissertation and those sort of things. And you know, we get into it because we're passionate about this, but I'm pretty sure most of us lose it because we get a pretty crappy job to begin with. But um, yeah, I don't want to take too much time. <laughs> that happens at like year eight. A lot of PTs are trying to get out uh, of being a PT. I, I'll be honest, I was burnt out at the end of PT school. I hated my program. I still hate the program. Even I, I went back to try and TA at the program. They didn't want to change. I am very lucky I found Temple's residency program, which made it fun, made it exciting, gave me other, pointed me in a direction where I can, you know, be a part of something bigger and, and develop advocacy and, and just kind of have fun treating and not always have to prepare for a test. And that's why we created that mentorship is so people can have somebody to reach out to. Um, and, you know, not everybody has access to a residency or fellowship or a mentor in a fellowship program. Uh, or a residency program. And that's why we kind of started what we did. But Jake, we're running out of time. Thank you very much for um, everything that you're doing. Keep hustling, keep grinding. I, I know you're going to do bigger things than, um, than you even imagined. So keep doing it. Um, stay yeah. in touch, brother. And uh, thanks again for hopping on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. And I'd say final word for students, go figure out what you want to do. You know, I think our school discouraged us from like going and shadowing at other places. Why? Mm -hmm. You did it before, do it again. You know, yeah. keep as many doors open as you can and close the doors you don't want anymore. Well said, man. Yeah, very well said. All right. Uh, thanks for everyone listening in. And uh, yeah, cheers, everyone. I'm going to try and take down this boot. <laughs> twist. You got to do the twist. It was almost empty. All right. But uh, cheers, everyone. Bye, guys.